1: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
0: The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win.
2: Hello and welcome to a special talking tactics episode. Went to Mo Kings Meadow. I'm your host, Dean. Not with Jane or Dane this week. They have the week off, as I promised them last week. But I am joined finally um, by Ben, otherwise known as Medicine. If you are in our Discord server, which you should be, uh, you obviously know him. If you're on Twitter, you follow him at ee Medicine. Um, lots of great takes, lots of great insight, and that's why we talk tactics with with Ben. Um, supposed to be on a monthly basis, but this is the first one this season, and we're in mid-November now. Um, so naughty us, but uh, here we are. Uh, ben, good to see you again. How you doing? Good how about yourself? Yeah, I'm. I'm not too bad. Getting there. Getting there. Just waiting for my um issue two copies of the new fanzine, and it's always a nervous wait. Yeah, I'm going to get there in time for the game. Always worry <laughs> about that.
1: Go get the schedules right.
2: Yeah. So, how, how have you found Chelsea this season? I haven't spoke to you all season uh, on the podcast. So, how have you found watching the team so far? Um, it's
1: been it's been interesting. There's been a lot. Uh, from compared to last season, I feel like we have a lot more fresh ideas. Um, <coughs> coming with a lot more kind of different formations, takes, and we're we're willing to change things around mid game a lot more. I feel. Uh, last last season, I felt like we just kind of ran it down mid with. The same kind of tactics, formation, everything, and it, it turned out to be a successful, um, you know, formation. But it, it didn't suit every need. Whereas now, I feel like we're able to adjust a lot more. Um, but it still comes with the 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 learning curves you'd expect from having constant change.
2: Yeah, it obviously, helped last season that we weren't in the Champions League. Um, that was the main focus was yeah. on WSL <laughs> it helped with that. Playing yeah. the same sort of 15 players, but obviously, you've had a, a busy summer in the transfer window. What have you made of the new signings? Um, the new signings, I mean, the one that stands out immediately in my head is
1: uh, Buchanan, who kind of came in. and, I mean, admittedly, I didn't watch a whole lot of Leon, I watched maybe one or two games in the Champions League. Um, was, came in and kind of had this reputation of being this like impassable defender. Uh, just a stone wall to get past. And we haven't really seen too much of that that season, but we have seen, and I didn't see too much of um, in terms of the predictions ahead of the season, was um, her passing range is a lot better than I really could have hoped for. It, it it helps us move the ball to both wings fantastically. She has great switches and does it constantly. Going up the middle, still an issue, but I think that's not necessarily a defender problem.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about Mucadon. A little bit, um, in sort of part one, if we do the main focus of this tactics episode is going to be the defence and then the midfield, um, plus a couple of other bits. Um, so would, I'll just go through Chelsea's form for those of you that are unaware, um, which probably no one, but uh, in the WSL, they played seven, one, six, drawn none, lost one, and that was the defeat to Liverpool in the opening day, two, one. Since then, we've beat Man City two, 0 Everton three, one. West Ham 3 1 before that, sorry. Everton 3 1. Brighton 2 0. Aston Villa 3 1. And Manchester United 3 1. They've scored 17 goals in those seven games and conceded six. Uh, In the Champions League, they played 2 1 2. It's against PSG 1 0. And Valencia. I still don't know if that's right. Do you know? I have no idea. Great game, though. (laughs) Could say anything. Um, And we beat them 8 0, (laughs) obviously, um, at home. Um, so let's start then because the what stood out to me, Ben, obviously, last year we was using the 3 4 3 and everybody was talking about it every week. Um, every week, I assumed that it was going to continue this year, um, with Bright, Buchanan, and Eriksson as a three, but it hasn't been that way, it's been a back four. Um, what have you made of that in Chelsea's defensive setup? Um, the defensive setup has been.
1: I would say like slightly precarious, but it was also precarious last season as well. So I don't think too much has changed with that. But we're able to, um, kind of attempt to solidify midfield a lot more. Last season it was it was like a total bypass, and now there's at least something. Um, I think a lot of the issue we're coming at now is with the addition to Buchanan. We're trying to put a lot of central defenders in areas where they're not. <laughs> but they don't typically play or get the best out of them. Um, trying to squeeze that same kind of 15 players we used in last season into a different shape um, comes with its toll. Um, I mean, we were seeing a past couple of games, uh, Penelo Harder playing like left center mid. Um, but yeah, the the main thing with the defense trying to find that, that main combo in the middle, um, we've seemed to be kind of unsure which one we're going to go with the the whole season. Um, and then getting the most out of our fullbacks, which was something we did brilliantly last season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned obviously last season. I've just looked at the league table. Um, we conceded eleven goals in twenty-two games, so we conceded yeah. over half. Well, half of that already over seven games. Yeah. Do you think because of because of the signing of Buchanan and that defense has been changed dramatically than it has been over the past two or three years? Yeah that's made the real difference
1: yeah yeah um we had the same kind of setup for i mean even if it's not the same setup it's the same players you know maybe one in one out um for years now and when you add someone in obviously there's going to be a little chop and change and that that form is going to break a little bit um once they get to know each other as a pair i think it'll get better or um it, yeah, it, it could even come back to switching it back to how it was and having like Magda, um, Millie in the middle. It, it's a difficult one to immediately judge, but it definitely does come with the the new signing of Buchanan and how she's uh, integrating into the squad. Um, the shape definitely does help as well because that five at the back, especially because a lot of times we'd play Engel and in center mid who would play very defensive a lot of the times. Um, it did help us gain some defensive solidity but at a huge cost. Whereas now it feels when it get when we get into the final third, it feels a lot more fluid. Um but defending, yeah. There's a lot of gaps and spaces in behind that teams are clearly finding.
2: Yeah, it's not to blame uh, Buchanan for the goals. No, no. <laughs> it's not um down to uh, her it's bosses. a natural process. Um just trying to work out the goals for game, but I don't think they've done that right. Um what do we <laughs> 62 starts, last year. And we're trending down on that so far. So, uh, But I think that's a lot to do with Sam Kerr's slow start to the season. Yeah. Uh, enough about the attack. We're going to talk about the defence. and As we've mentioned, it's been Brighton-Buchanan as the partnership. And that meant that Magda Erickson has gone to left-back. Obviously, we lost Jonah Anderson in the summer. So Magda's probably the only recognised left-back, you would say, in the team. What have you made of that? Because that's what like we've discussed on the show. Are we not getting the best out of her anymore? Because of she's on the left hand side and not in the middle, again to carry the ball out as much. What your been your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I remember in watching her in the Euros when she would play left back, and uh, I thought she had a far less influence on the game, um, and was just essentially playing as like a third centre back, slightly out of position, yeah. and with some wayward crosses, but. And I thought that was a weird shape for Sweden to take, but I thought it was kind of um, a national team setup where they were used to it or didn't have any better options or anything. Um, but integrating it here, it's kind of the same thing. I remember a couple years ago, um, I used to just like adore watching her because she was just like the quarterback who would um, sit back and shoot ping balls around and everything, and then that kind of went over to bright um, the following season, but. Yeah, Magda left back this season, I think it's an aim to solidify the defense and bring a little bit more physicality down down a side, but her strength isn't in a 1v1 defending with space in behind her, she's a box defender, and you don't really want a box defender to be your left back, unless you're just like holding on for dear life against, I don't know, some monster team. Um, So we do lose a lot of potency and options from the left side. Um, I mean, even going forward, the most typical pattern we have is uh, we'll pass it to usually Bright on the right, um, who will switch it to Gru on the left, and then that's how we create. Whereas it seems much more logical and easier to just switch it to your left back, gets it up to your left wing, Um, but we're not not able to put those combinations together.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got a stats from last season, WSL only uh, this season and just without the context of anything they're quite interested to look at so last season she was averaging 60.22 passes per 90 with 86.1% success rate, this season she's down to 53.51 with only 81.8% success rate uh, long passes, she's actually played more long passes this year, so five, uh, sorry, 7.56 compared to 7.21 but Last season she was 61.1% successful. This year down to 59.6. Uh she's crossing more, obviously 2.18 this season compared to uh one per 90 last season. And she was only 26.7% successful last season. That's up to um 53.3 this season. Uh her dribbles have stayed the same. So 0.4 last year, 0.44 this year. However, she's terrible at dribbling the ball. She hasn't been <laughs> successful at, at all this season, according to Y Scout. Uh, and then Jules, as you said, um, so she she averaged thirteen point eight two with a sixty two point eight percent success rate last year. She's down to she's up sorry to fourteen point eight three this year, but her success rate is down to fifty two point nine. And then airily, she was doing five point seven four per ninety with sixty nine point eight percent success rate. This year, she's down to four point zero seven with only a sixty point seven percent success rate. So the things that she is very good at so long passes, short passes uh aerial jewels um one v1 jewels sort of in the box as you say when she's playing centrally she's she's trending down on all those numbers
1: yeah and and that'll happen because she's not in the normal space where she's used to being um it, passing the angle you have at a left back you essentially have half of a pitch to work with you can only look on your right hand side and when you're playing left center back you have the entire pitch you can look at um and usually four different options at left back you have one or two maybe um and but yeah looking at the stats you would want from a left back dribbles you would want someone with a better than zero percent success chance (laughs) at your left back and crosses someone with more than two per game at a 53 percent success rate um 53 percent success rate is actually not bad for crosses because most people just kind of spam them in but two per game is a not the number you you want to be looking at but yeah in in terms of like interceptions she's able to get those numbers up um and when you're in a wide area you're in a slightly more precarious position going against wingers who want to take duels so you will be taking more duels um the success rate going down i think that's more of just a a function of there being more duels to be taken um but even with that Trying to defend, for example, Jess Park on her side when there's space in behind, Jess Park can kind of knock it on behind her like nothing fancy needs to be done. Um, whereas when, when you're playing a center back, she can't do that, there's just no space to be done to have that be done.
2: And we saw that against, um, was it Man United early on in the game? They put the ball into the corner behind her and Millie Bright, who was playing on the left hand side in that game, and they both got just absolutely rinsed to the ball by whoever it was on the, I think it was Paris on the right hand side. I think it was the point of the game. Yeah. And they yeah. had a good chance on that United. Yeah. But uh, then they decided not to do that again for the whole game. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. but that was had the tactics, just the um, industry. So obviously Magda stands out as maybe an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Might be a bit too strong. But looking at the squad, obviously we're coming up to January soon. So we're going to be, a uh, transfer window is going to be open. But what is your solution from here to January? Do you keep it as Magda? Do you look for someone else in the squad? Maybe Um, in games where you can be a bit more attack-minded and have someone to do more than 2.18 crosses per 90?
1: Yeah, the other interesting thing is that when we play five at the back, we play uh, Charles on the left. And I I always found it, especially in that first Liverpool game, I found it infuriating how uh, you put someone on the left who's right-footed. Half of your, like I said before, your pass options on the left flank are already halved because you can't look to your left for anything. And when you're right-footed, they're halved again. So you're at quarter passing options. So any like basic one-two, you know, if you're left back, maybe putting into your center mid to ping it to your winger, none of that is available if you use your right foot. Um, And maybe playing forward the back, looking at the options that we have, I know, well, obviously, Alsu and Svitkova have both played left, on the left side, pretty much everywhere on the left side at one point or another in their careers. I don't think Alsu is trusted enough in base passing numbers and in her 1v1 defending um, to be playing left fullback. But Svitkova and Alsu both have very strong numbers at left wing back. Um, But if we're not using that formation, yeah... Th- the solution for left back. I'm not sure if there's anything immediately in the squad that stands out to me. Um, I
2: You've think. Got, um, sorry, Perisay plays left back for Bordeaux last season. She plays right back for France, or maybe that's the other way around. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But they've Can't not say I watched Bordeaux. Um, yeah, well, I know they tried it in pre-season against Tottenham. I think she played there for the first half, but again, she she is right-footed
1: again yeah same problem yeah it, it, it's not necessarily a problem of the player being better or worse it's a problem of having a right footer playing left back it's going to run into the same issues i mean they it, it could have like you know the most technically gifted right foot ever it's just not going to matter um but yeah if we knew we were going into a four i'm not sure if we knew this was the plan going into the season i mean you would think it does but it, it was um but letting go of John Anderson, when we thought we were going to go into a four at the beginning of next season, I'm just not sure. We I I suppose we started the season with a back five, um, and then we shifted to this. But yeah, there could be a solution we find in January. But I'm not sure how many top left backs are on the market.
2: <laughs> well, depending, they don't have to be on the market for Chelsea. I suppose um, yeah, sure. they're for <laughs> players at the moment. Um, let's look. Let's switch to the other side then, because we've talked about the left back. Let's talk about the right back, because nobody seems to have made that position. Their own Marin's mm-hmm. played there. Um Perisay's played a few games there. Um Jess has come on there, I think, and Leave mm-hmm. believe Neve has played there. I've got that in mm-hmm. my notes. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, she has played right back twice. I think people have just assumed it would be Perisay's position, but is this a, just another case of Emma? Yeah. Um, easing her new players in or just uh, doesn't know who her best player is there
1: it, it could be either I, I'm not I can't say I'm I'm in touch with uh, how she <laughs> thinks but I when you look at a formation and immediately your two first talking points are no one's made left back their home yet and no one's made their right made right back their home yet it's kind of a that could just be a symptom of the system not being accustomed to yet um, or just not fitting your players, either one. I also thought Parasite would come in and immediately just make it her home and she'd play however many games there, 90%. Um, but that hasn't been the case. That it Part of me thinks it could be um, this kind of this chop and change kind of thing we've been doing all season. It could be trying to conform to the opponent. You know, when we're allowed to attack more, you can put on um, Parasite who's... Good, got great crossing, great ball technique, striking. Um, and when you want to defend more, you can kind of stick on a uh, an Eve Charles or when you want to, uh, when there's a thread in behind from the left, you could put in Jess Carter because she has got pace and good physicality. Um, But it, it almost kind of seems that everyone in, that we have available for a full left back or a full right back has one or two, uh, you know, one to three great upsides and then one drawback. And we're kind of just, changing around the one drawback depending on the opponent that we have. Um which is not what you want to do when you're
2: chasing a league title. Mm, um I always think that Chelsea should be front footed in their football. So I agree. They they attack. They still seem to we're gonna talk about this in part two, they still seem to be bypassing midfield, which doesn't help you it doesn't help the fullback, in my opinion, that you're playing no. a long ball over the top. So you're are you wasting someone like Perise in the squad by not playing sort of as you say a left footed left back plays to a left-footed wing back, uh wing uh, left midfielder or attacking forward, same on the right hand side where you can create combinations and overlaps is it's just something we we don't do, and that's why someone like Magda only has two crosses per 90, because they're just not doing that sort of football. Yeah, um, do you think that's that needs to be a change in style? It could
1: definitely outside? be a change in style. I mean, if you look at um, I don't know, just like a comparison over to like a, a men's team. If you look at how Liverpool played, and they get great success out of left backs, like in their peak, they get great success out of their fullbacks. They would play a super high line, possession based, and their fullbacks are allowed to give. They have one DM who can cover for either fullback, and their fullbacks are allowed time. They'll possess the ball. The fullback can then get in an advanced position. They'll be found, and then they come up and across. And then when you have a situation where your midfield gets bypassed, if you have someone like Magda, if she goes up and she's trying to cross it in, there's a huge threat for a counterattack at any given point because your midfield's going to get bypassed. And so doing these 100-yard sprints for 90 minutes is just not sustainable. You're not going to get anything good out of that. Um, and it's the exact same thing with playing Parasite there. If, if she goes forward and she's constantly whipping in crosses, then she's going to play in an advanced area and you all of a sudden you're playing with three defenders. So yeah, if you're able to control the ball that it, especially in central areas, it actually helps your wings greatly because it allows them to get into positions where they don't have to constantly be looking over their shoulder for, a, you know, who they're supposed to be marking on the counter.
2: Yeah, let's try and remember this for the midfield, because obviously in football you can't just talk about midfield, defence and attack, because they do mm-hmm. combine to create a football team, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> they have to work together. But I want to talk about that, obviously, defensive midfield I think, the missing the missing piece and what's going on there. Um, I want to go back to Brighton Buchanan um, as the central defenders. Um, let's start with Mini Brooks. We've mentioned Buchanan a little bit already, but she hasn't looked herself this season. She played so much football last year. Um, missed just seven minutes, and then in the first game this year, she came off in the, like the 70th minute, so she missed more game, more time in that one game than she did the whole previous season. Yeah, you think she's just playing too much football? I mean, she's playing for England again tonight, captain. Yeah,
1: the all the Euros. I don't think she missed a minute in Euros, did she? No. Um. It, yeah, it could be a place a, a case of just simply playing too much. Um, I, I would say it comes with the adaption period of having a new center back partner, but she hasn't struggled but that with England and they kind of move it around a little bit more, um, especially with Williamson being somewhat injury prone. Um, but yeah, she, she hasn't looked herself. There's been a couple just blatant defensive errors. Part of me thinks the system that we had last season where you put just Carter in the middle, especially in the beginning, it was to, it was to give pace to that back three because especially when you wanted to play a high line million Magda are not the most, they're not hundred yards burners, which doesn't make, you know, you don't live or die by that as a center back, but you want the, uh, a little bit of recovery pace. And so Jess Carter allowed them to have that. Whereas now that's kind of gone. Um, so when she's playing and there's a huge gap between her and the midfield, It allows for so much of having to come forward and challenge a ball at the edge of the box to drop in and trying to defend a a cross. There's so much ground to cover that you're more likely to make more mistakes. She could be playing simply just too much football, but I think she would be the first person to recognize that maybe. Um, I think this is kind of a a case of the system being uh, leaving chance for these kind of errors.
2: Do you think that's more strange than that someone like Annick Nowen and Jess Carter have only sort of had one game this season? Yeah, I think
1: I think the priority for Emma and the Chelsea staff this season has been to establish the best the best way to get Magda, Bright, and Buchanan into the team. The best way that they can feel natural and solidified, more than it has been picking players that are good for the system. I think we're just kind of moving it around so that, especially in defense, I'm not speaking about anything else. um, We've been kind of moving things around to get the best out of them. And sometimes that takes, you know, one, you know, two, three games to give it a try. And if it doesn't work after the second, third game, then you maybe switch it up. I think it's more of that than I don't think the priority for the Chelsea staff right now is trying to find the best players for the system. Which it could be now, and it could be Carter. We just haven't seen enough of them in any of these systems to say one way or
2: the other. Sounds like a crazy idea to not play the best players for the system <laughs> and try and work out on the fly. Um, yeah. for him.
1: I, I, well, it, it's you either play the best players for the system or you, play, you move the system around the players. I think we're doing the latter. I think we're changing the system so that we can get the best out of our players, especially in defense.
2: So do you think we'll we'll carry on seeing because we see it against Man United, Bright played on the left, Buchanan on the right. That was the first time they have swapped mm-hmm. uh, in the game, and Buchanan I think has played there for Leon predominantly, yeah, right side of centre back. And I think she had a better game against United than she has this season. Do you think we'll see that again, probably against Tottenham? That four,
1: I, I think that was the the most solid it's looked, yeah. I agree. I I I hope we continue seeing that for you know at least a couple more games and then see if ever, you know how it goes over. But I I liked that combo against United.
2: Yeah, and I think it sort of freed up. I know Russo wasn't fully fit, so she probably wasn't giving as yeah many problems as um say she would do a hundred percent or as many problems as Bunny Shaw gave Buchanan. Yeah, like, with her physicality in in the game against Man City. Although we did keep a clean sheet in that game. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, do you think that sort of that issue with becoming kind of that physicality? just think she's going to learn in the season? Because, as you said, when she's on the ball and she steps out of defense, it's like she's got a twin sister that plays. She's <laughs> and her twin sister does the defending, and her twin sister's not as good at football. <laughs> um, yeah, I think she'll learn the physicality. I think uh, any any
1: player that comes into WSL for the first time. You you kind of get a you know a kick in the behind as to how physical the league can be. Um, yeah, I, I think she'll adapt to that over, over the over the course of her time at Chelsea. If she doesn't, it might be a short one because every game is super physical. I mean, like you said, one matchup against Bunny Shaw, and all of a sudden you've got problems, big problems. Um, yeah, I, I think she'll adapt to that. It's not going to be overnight, but I think she'll adapt to that over the course of her time at Chelsea and
2: get better. Yeah, I like her comparison you can do with uh, Kulabali because they both wear 20 Both yeah. have big reputations, and they both have had well, her start's been better than Kulabali's. His has been pretty bad Agreed. for the men's team, but this, it seems like similar situations Agreed. with both that we're wondering why we signed this player. Yeah.
1: Well it's when the much. best when the best attribute you can pick out of a center back so far in the season is they're passing, it's usually not a great sign.
2: <laughs> no, not ideal. Um we're gonna squeeze in an ad break now because we're gonna talk about the midfield. Um so um yeah, before we do that, don't forget our uh, summer series celebrating the 30th anniversary of the creation of the Chelsea FC Women's team it is available in full on our Patreon. Um, we've got interviews with Tony Farmer, who created the team in 1992. We've got George Michaelas, who coached the team from 2002 to 2005. And Matt Beard, the now Liverpool coach, who was the Chelsea manager before. Emma Hazen helped Chelsea come into the WSL um, all those years ago. Um, if you head to patreon.com forward slash went to Mo Kings Meadow, uh, you can sign up. It costs you £5 per month. Uh, in return, you help support the show. You help us do things like live shows on Mixler. Uh, you get early access to our podcasts, ad-free listening. And and you get the summer series as well. And you'll get whatever we do this summer, which I need to start thinking about um, after Christmas. Because <laughs> it comes by so quick. I have all these ideas and it's like, oh, it's April now. I can't yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, we'll be
0: right back. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. I'm so happy I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jij? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to NordVPN.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's thirty-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans,
1: Real for Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match
2: highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Football Welcome back to part two of Talking Tactics. Um, we're going to move from the defence seamlessly into midfield, which is unlike Chelsea. Um, and we spoke about in the defence having, as you said, when, when we want to use full-backs like so, someone like Liverpool, who did it very well for a good three years, three or four years, um, they had the defensive midfielder that could cover either fullback. We've seen this year that Aaron Cuthbert has become a lone six Um on occasion. Do you think she's someone that could cover the ground to allow fullbacks to do what they do? Do you think that could be her her calling at Chelsea?
1: She Erin Copper is an amazing player. She's amazing in that she you could throw her in and tell her to do anything, and she would do it. I don't think this is her natural role. I don't think she instinctively, when the ball you know, comes on the counterattack, I don't think she's instinctively looking to her left back and her right back to try to cover their position when they're in advanced areas. That is kind of an instinct that you have as a defensive mid as as a, you know uh, trained six. she's not. Um, she does great work there for us, you know, trying to build out of the back. She, she moves around a lot. She gives a lot of energy. But the thing that you looked forward to from Cuthbert the most, especially looking at like last season, is the energy she was able to give and the movement off the ball runs that she was able to give in attacking areas, it, up the middle, either wing, did not matter. She was there at everywhere. It, how many times she get men of the match last or sorry, play with the match last season habit? Um, as a as I'll a play season. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> she. So if you take your player of the season, I'm not sure giving them an entirely different job with almost no roles that are intertwined with how they performed last season. I don't think that's a... Uh, I don't know, a plan for success. Um, she can do it. She might be our best at it. I think this is just a case of uh, a Band-Aid fix until more a DM is found or more midfielders or something. Maybe until... Uh, Millie comes back. But yeah, I don't think this is the long-term solution.
2: I mean, the ultimate solution is to put Sophie Ingalls' brain into Aaron Cuthbert's body. Exactly. Um, because that's why they work well together, because she can see what's going to happen, and yeah. Aaron will just run. Um It <laughs> works well. Um, Maybe give
1: um, Aaron an earpiece.
2: Ear yeah. Um, or some sort of advanced technology where... Yeah. Um, Everyone's doing the movement, but Sophie's on the pitch. <laughs> Some sort of futuristic sci-fi shit there. Um, obviously we tried to sign uh, Grace Gierro from PSG uh, in the summer. That didn't quite work. Is she a player that you know much about? Is she someone that could come in as a six? Uh, Other space. I've I've seen her a
1: couple times. Uh, mostly when we played against her, and then uh, when Rambojin played. Uh, watched that game. And both games, she was playing, again, kind of a an eight role, more than a six. A lot of, a lot of uh, her basis was to kind of receive the ball from deep areas and carry, which is not something that we, I, I'm not saying this isn't in the game plan. I'm not sure, I'm just not sure if this is restricted by the game plan or by players we have, that we almost never see a midfielder receive a ball from a center back, turn and carry. Um, which is kind of her role. It could be something that Emma is, I mean, if she's going for, you know, then yeah, this is something that she's looking to get, but, um, the market for that is tiny. (laughs) I think it's one. (laughs) Um, I mean, even if you look at like, uh, you know, a dream name, like Oberdorf, she's that's not her job. She doesn't do that. Um, I think even if you get a DM that just simply gets the ball, can turn or turn three quarters and passes out wide. I think that already, and you know, in a defensive sense, can look at both fullbacks to try to cover when they're in advanced areas. I think you're already looking at an improvement.
2: Yeah, obviously we've seen the four at the back and it's meant either four, three, three with alone six and, and two eights. Um, or we've seen four, two, three, one. Given what we've said about sort of Cuthbert's limitations, uh, obviously she's not trained professionally for that role. I, think she, mm-hmm. I mean, I interviewed her dad for the for one smoking not last time the summer before, and he said that she grew up playing as a defensive midfielder as, as a kid, oh, wow. um, and then she's moved. I mean, she came to Chelsea as a forward. She was playing. Yeah. Well, um. <laughs> so her coaching has been varied at Chelsea. Let's say. Yes. Yeah. Um. A habit of ours. Yeah, and then when obviously when you're playing at the top, the coaching is obviously different to when you're sort of 14 years old. Yeah, Um, and the game situation is obviously different. Um, from kids football into you know, professional women's football.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, do you think going with that health having Ingle with her is probably the best for Chelsea, or do you think it's a case of okay, we're playing Leicester today, let's not have two central, two holding midfield players, let's um, it a little bit.
1: I, I think pairing her with Ingle. I mean, in our our most previous game, uh, United Ingle played fantastic. But um, I think having Ingle being able to kind of hold her hand a little bit in terms of one of them can go up. Like Ingle at the edge of the box is fantastic, fantastic. Knows exactly that. Like her decision making is perfect in terms of spread it out wide, maybe cross it into the box. It's perfect. And then you have Cuthbert's energy. So if you have one of them that can kind of hold the other person's hand, it works great. The only downside is that the buildup with that pivot is not great. Um, But I'm not sure we have a pivot that has a great buildup. The other thing we were playing at the beginning of the season was uh, um, Cuthbert-Fleming. And I think the idea was just to have two midfielders that just run around a lot and cover so much ground that there's just no point in trying to mark them. And that did not work. Um, I think going forward, uh, in- Ingle Cuthbert as a pivot is probably our best. I, I agree.
2: So obviously, we, having said that, you mentioned Jesse Fleming. Where does mm-hmm. that leave Jesse Fleming in your in your eyes?
1: Um, I think when you're playing, it, it's tough because she's such a, a versatile player, and she could easily fill in in any of the three. And it, when you have a, you know, for example, like a, a Harder's injury, who we don't know how bad it is. But the initial like rumors and everyone's looking at it and they're th- saying it's going to be pretty bad. Um, she could fill in one of the, one of those roles in the front three quite comfortably. She could also fill in as an eight. Um, when you're playing a a midfield three, I think she's a fantastic eight. Um, you could have maybe have Cuthbert play more box to box, have Fleming play the eight, um, or have two box to box and then have one maybe Sophie Engel hold as the as the lone six. Um. In that four three three, we in uh to you know when we got to the Champions League final, um, a lot of our reliance on that was on Leopold's, who we just don't have access to for who knows how long, um, so I think when that, once that option comes back, then it'll be a, a gigantic weight off our shoulders. But I'm just, you just
2: can't rely on it right now. Yeah, for 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 good reason as well. Was yes is, um, yes. Do you think, in an ideal world, having a free that's got loopholes and Fleming as the eights would be ideal, or are they too sort of similar in the sense that they get up and down the pitch and they're? Because the on, the, on three?
1: the latter half of that,
2: let's just wait. For that with that
1: its thing. own two eights comes with its its own sort of uh, inherent risk. Um, we tried it, Like I said, we tried in the beginning of the season. As a pivot, I don't think it works at all. In um, a midfield three, I think it's fine if you have a DM who is trained as a DM, knows what they're doing, and is fantastic and suited for the role. We don't have anyone that suits exactly that right now, so I wouldn't go with two eights. It's just simply too risky and it leaves your midfield too open. Two eights, an eight kind of um, stretches the space of the midfield, so if you're trying to work around their midfield, if they have you know, three or a two that you just you just can't get past. Having an eight spreads them. Um we haven't needed that right now, or haven't at least when we've used it, we haven't made the most of it. Um so having two of them, I just don't think it gets us any huge progress.
2: Yeah, although to talking of two eights, we see in preseason, um we played Tottenham and uh, Lauren James and Panilla Harder played as eights together, uh in this ultra attacking team that sort of went crazy for pre-season. Yeah. Emma picked the same team for um, Liverpool. And Harder gets injured. Yeah, she that's... has this massive meltdown and changes everything. Puts Moll yep. James' right wing back. new Charles' left wing back. And then obviously we know what happened. It went bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. But
2: Do you think in... Because there are sort of two or three games where Chelsea are going to absolutely dominate possession... These teams are just going to have the eleven players behind the ball, having an attacking lineup like that, where these are basically number tens playing as number eights, mm-hmm. is a viable option in the WSL. Um, I think two, no, I think one.
1: Yes, the um, we played uh, Penilla harder past couple of games. We played her as like that left center mid I mentioned earlier, and it was pretty much the exact same job. It was just essentially a faux ten. Um, and it worked brilliantly it helped us as soon as the the as the ball got to either one of our wings it was just an immediate option to have it was an extra option to have in addition to the cross in addition to the fact that she can um, run in and into the box for you know try to get her head in the end of a cross in addition to you know playing just behind the striker as like a layoff option it worked fantastic having two I think is just overkill I think you're almost going to be occupying the exact same areas at that point um, and it's just gonna be make it too crowded. Um working in the pockets of space is generally what the that role that Fo ten does. And when you have two people doing it, there's just less pockets of space. Um, and I don't think that pulls a defender off of Sam Kerr., um, yeah, I, I I think having one great and it works. I think as soon as you remove. Harder from the situation as it looks like it has. I'm not sure if we if we should go for it, especially with um, Lauren James performing as well as she has. out wide.
2: What about Kirby, who plays as an eight for England? Um, do you think she could come back and replace, um, play replace harder because they both carried the teams at different points this season, which has been quite interesting. Yes, uh, not played together.
1: Uh, I I think it could work. If you have the available options to replace her, I right wing. I think if if you can put out both wingers and not think I'm going to miss Kirby here, I think that if you put a resume, it could really work. Yeah.
2: Do you not think that having either Lauren there or um Johanna and Cameron is that right wing is enough.
1: I, it could be yeah yeah. It, um, the problem with I I don't know too much about um Kenner's career to you know directly comment um but in terms of like lauren james if we're playing uh psg or a or real madrid's a good side but they're not you know world beaters right now but against the barcelona early on the inexperience may bite them um you might feel it and it, even against um oh, the albanian team i'm never going to pronounce that uh, we we went on an eight nil slaughter and kennerid I hardly noticed her and she was playing right wing the whole time and she's performed well. I, I, the funny thing I've noticed, um, I mentioned it to a friend a while ago was that every time Canada plays well, the rest of the team plays badly. And whenever we're playing well, you just don't notice her. So she's our William. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I compared it to Mascherano for Argentina, but yes.
2: Yeah. William player of the year and everyone else is terrible. We finished 10th. Yeah. Um, uh, the, so the last player, um, midfield-wise, because we haven't seen her really, uh, due to injuries and uh, not being picked, uh, Yelena Kankovic. Um, mm-hmm. She came on as a sub in one game for 20 minutes, created more chances than anybody else on the pitch, uh, yep. which I think was only four. Uh, so it wasn't that <laughs> crazy. Only on the, four. Four in 20 minutes is still yeah. <laughs> good. Um What do you think her role would be then if we're thinking about having sort of copper and Ingle as a pivot We've got Harder, James, Kirby, um, who else can play? Fleming, all these players. Is she going to be a bit pop player? Or can she someone that could play deeper and get the ball off the defence?
1: I truthfully have no idea, because it seems that in this entire squad, we have like 70% of it are just like the most versatile players on earth who can play like eight positions. Um, and so when you bring someone else in who... I can't say I watched her previously. I watched her for the 20 minutes, thought it was great and then got called to the day. Uh I've heard she's good at, like she played deeper before and she can uh take the ball off of the center backs and that is something we've desperately needed. Um but the fact that it wasn't immediately used when she was fit makes me think that that's not the plan for her. Um it was in that Liverpool game, I think, when she was fit, and then you said that there was just a total tantrum thrown and everything was thrown out the window. Um, I would have thought that a proper DM would have been put on as a six to just take the ball off the defenders, but it wasn't. Um, so I think her role be more advanced in terms of chance creation, kind of a similar eight role, but how many eights can you have in play?
2: <laughs> as many eights as we can fit in the team. <laughs> the season. So January is four more eights. Yeah, well, we want to sign Giro, so you know, yeah. we're, not, we're not settling with five. Yeah, we're not done yet. We want eight eights. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, so having sort of gone through what we've gone through, defense-wise, midfield structure, do you think we should look to go back to three-four-three, back to what we know, or do you think we should stick out what we're doing and actually try and use the full-backs?
1: Uh. It's a difficult one and I've thought this over a couple times. The thing is that the 4-3-3 brought us incredible success two seasons ago. And then we swapped it for the 3-4-3, which had a, a tough start. Which it could be the same thing as this. It could just be a tough start. 3-4-3 had a tough start. And then anytime there was a a big team, like uh City we didn't play Fantastic last season. Um, not the one game where Jess Carter put in a masterclass, but um against Wolfsburg stands out. Both Wolfsburg games stand out. <laughs> um, it just seemed that it wasn't ready for the big games yet and the big teams. Uh, and so going back to the 3-4-3 kind of seems like a, a little bit of a reset. And we've seen tons of success from 4-3-3. I mean, two seasons ago was probably one of the most like successful seasons you can have, bar one game. Um, so I think... Based on the players we have now, I think we'll see more short-term success with the 3-4-3, but more long-term success with the 4-3-3. So, But the problem is that whenever you make a long-term project, you have to have short-term wins. Um, yeah. And we're getting the wins, but they're just not convincing.
2: Yeah, we've won 3-1 four times, which I find. Yes. Really <laughs> <good>. <laughs> so it's just a weird scoreline to win 3-1. And all,
1: all of them were kind of different stories as well. Uh, you know, um, one of them, it was just 2-0, and then 2-1 of them were kind of hanging on, and then there was just one late goal. But that only happened one of the three ones, so you can't even put it down to that.
2: Yeah. I think January will be interested with what, um, what they do. I just think they're going to sign players because they've got new owners and they want to sign players.
1: Uh I, I think so too, but then you have to like think we already have however many players who can't see minutes just because there's you know, you can only play eleven players at a time. And at what you have to kind of wonder at what point our squad gets bloated.
2: But I have rotated more this season than any other. Correct. Yeah. So perhaps they need to be a bit more brave, even though I've yeah. rotated more. Um especially this run of fixtures which is coming up um, if i got it here. So you've got Tottenham Real Madrid, Leicester Real Madrid, Reading, the Albanian team and then PSG. <laughs> um, so this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in four weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and not, not too many of those you can heavily rotate for and get a, I mean, even like Reading we've struggled with in the past don't remind me of the Reading game last season. Oh, my Lord.
2: And um, going away to Albania, you don't know what the pitch is going to be like, what the atmosphere yep. is going to be like, because they were quite crazy at Kings Meadow. Oh, yeah. So you can imagine what they're going to be like away. Watching yeah, thing that
1: was so fun.
2: PSG were going to play at Stamford Bridge. Um, What impact is that going to have on the team and on the players? Yeah. You want to be already qualified, really, before...
1: You would hope so, but I mean, Real Madrid, you can't exactly guarantee six points against them, just off a rip. <laughs> They're a good side. Um, you would hope we're qualified before that game, but regardless, at the you know, PSG at the bridge, we're gonna be playing best eleven. Um, I think playing at the bridge, it'll have a big impact. I think we'll see how much of a big impact it has when we play Spurs. Um I've I can't say I've been to Kings Meadow or Stanford Bridge, so I couldn't tell you anything in terms of like atmosphere from one to the other, how how anything carries, but um yeah, I, I hope it'll be a really both games will be a very fun spectacle for the fans.
2: You know, no nil no nils, one nils. Yeah. I mean obviously when we played Tottenham three years ago, um twenty five thousand in a forty two thousand stadium didn't carry. Um mm-hmm. This year, the supporters group have been able to sit together. Um, So you've got a core group of people that will make noise Mm -hmm. um, in the same place. Plus, you've got a sold out stadium with actual tickets being sold, not given away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think we'll see more than 25,000. The issue with PSG is it's two days before Christmas. It's Thursday at eight o'clock in the evening. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That have on people buying tickets and yeah. getting their kids and all that to sell out. So that might have the biggest impact. And yeah. they go into that game needing to beat BSG because it's said Real Madrid. They're a good team. Ask Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, that could backfire spectacularly. And then we've got a really big squad and not many games in the second half of the season
1: mm-hmm.
2: to get them in. There might be a few loan deals coming in January. Um. Well, we've got a few minutes left before we want to end so two more players to talk about quickly um Neve Charles is the first one um mm-hmm. I wrote a piece on Neve a few weeks ago or probably a couple of months ago now uh, asking if it's best for her to be nomadic so mm-hmm. she doesn't have a position she plays she's played this season left back right back left wing back left wing back left wing right back um quite the spread yeah, she could play centrally if you wanted her to, although yeah. with all the eights we've got, let's not add another to that situation. Yeah. Um well, let, could,
1: last season she plays striker too. Don't forget that yeah, one. Yeah, so
2: she can play forward, she can play back. Yeah, is it best for her to, to do that, or does that affect her then chances she's with England tonight? She's playing left back. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that would affect her international career because she doesn't have a home? Um, I think that
1: benefits her international career, but I think both of but like being nomadic for both teams, I think it comes at the cost of your development. I, I don't think it's proper development of a player to just kind of shove them around in any position you want them to and just plug a hole. Um, again, it, it, these are on both wings, either side. You want different attributes from each of these. In left wing, right wing, yes, being defensively sound is cool, but it's not fantastic. What you need to be, Especially in the modern, like you need to be cross from both and you need immense pressing. You need to know how to press and press fantastically. When you're playing left wing back and right wing back, that changes again. Now you no longer need to press. And because you have three three defenders behind you, you most likely don't need to have too many one-on-one defending. You need to, you know, cover your mark and come back in zonal control, but that's generally about it. The rest is gonna be trying to find a balance between linking up with your midfield and getting crosses in from a much deeper area. And then left back, right back, again, it changes entirely. You want to be a good one-on-one defending with space behind you. You want to be able to know when you can pick your chances to go forward and get in advanced areas and whip in deeper crosses. It's going to be linking to the midfield, not from the midfield. It's so many different um kind of micro changes in each of those positions, let alone the fact last season, you know, you had a striker, Priestley's sure played Sermon at one point or another when you throw a player especially a young player into this many positions the thing is is that she has fantastic foundations she has great pass you know can use both feet she's got you know the odd flare the the odd ball strike and can one-on-one defend can press. but none of those she'll excel at and that's what you need at the highest highest level to be one of the best and that's what you hope for in young players is to develop and train those specific attributes. I'm not saying playing one in one role and never switch them. I mean, you even mentioned Frank Kirby, who's an elite player, world-class. She could play three or four different positions, but they're all generally similar in terms of what they need. Shoving them in eight or nine different
2: positions throughout a season is not the same. I also don't think it helps the way... When Chelsea play 3-4-3, they don't actually play... 3 4 3, because one yeah. of the backs just doesn't go forward. Yeah. Um, they're basically playing as the fullback on that side. Um, yeah. And when, when we played Brighton, for example, uh, the pitch was totally waterlogged on the right hand side um, in the first half. So he was attacking, everything went through Cameron on the right hand mm-hmm. side. And Charles didn't go forward. And the pitch was dry that side. And every time she got to the box, the ball stopped because <laughs> it was so heavy with water. It's like, maybe try try her for like yeah. five minutes, just keep yeah. her the ball, let her go forward. And she wasn't doing it because obviously she's, she's told not to, um, mm-hmm. as their instructions. Um, so I don't think that helps her uh, playing as a wing back because she's playing actually as a left back, right? Um, and as you said earlier in the episode, when you're playing there and you're cutting off three quarters of your pitch to try and pass the ball to somebody, yeah. And you don't have a midfielder there that is excellent like an overdoor for a Walsh at picking the ball in tight spaces and passing no. it out. Um, makes it even more difficult. Um, and I think we'll see that. Obviously, she missed the Euros because what? who are you putting her in for? Who exactly. Is excellent at that job. Um, yes. And it obviously helps she plays for a big team because uh, she gets picked, unlike somebody like Ashley Neville, who plays for Tottenham or... Mm-hmm. Um, small club, yeah. Or Everton, I think there's a couple of <laughs> Everton players that are sort of knocking on the door, but they play for Everton mm-hmm. uh, again, small club. Um, but yeah. So, what's best for for Neve Charles is to play for a team that's going to play her in a position, or like you said, with Fran, they're playing positions that do similar things. But it's great for Chelsea to have a player like Neve. Exactly. It's very important to Chelsea, but for her own self-worth, Chelsea are maybe not the best for her.
1: Yeah, it it comes down to, um, I mean, you have players like that in great teams that kind of go unnoticed because they kind of plug holes. In the walk away with immense amounts of silverware, but you kind of remember them and go, I don't really like, you know, 10 years on, you're like, I don't really remember that. Like, Yaya Toure at Barcelona 2009 always, like, throws me for a loop. I just forget he was there. Um, But at City, I remember clearly. Um, I think if she wants to walk away with a fantastic trophy cabinet and, you know, a semi-decent amount of, of England caps, I think this is perfect for her. I think if she wants to think selfishly, um she could be playing on a team where she's played like for example liverpool she played like left wing right wing exclusively uh and sean sean clearly enough to be picked you know bought by chelsea and then played you know we do that one one season break where we just don't play but after that played constantly um i think no amount of personal coaching or no matter how much you train yourself you'll develop any of those attributes to be exceptional I think if she wants to be selfish enough to be known as a great player, she could be playing on a team where she's playing in, you know, one to three consistent positions. But if she wants to be the utility player and that's where she feels she excels, here's perfect. There's not gonna be a better place.
2: Yeah, well for that you can see Aaron Copper, who yeah. was a forward, was a right wing back for half of the season. And yes. An excellent central midfielder for half a season. Um the last player, um, as we're running out of time, uh, we've got to talk about Lauren James, who has been like a new signing in the sense mm-hmm. that she's available to be picked and to play, and she has played. Um, three goals, one assists from fifteen shots, a one point seven two xg, uh, eighty point eight percent pass accuracy, thirty three point three percent cross accuracy, thirty eight dribbles, seventy three point seven percent successful, which is my favorite stat of. Lauren James' three-quarters of her dribbles are good, yeah. um, which is um, amazing. But uh, uh, having known you and seen some of your thoughts on Lauren James, room for improvement?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, it's, there's going to be room for improvement in any young player. Um, and before I even go into the room for improvement, she's been fantastic and the natural talent she has is unbelievable. Admittedly, I didn't watch her too much at United. Um, and then we picked her up, and then she didn't play. I thought it was just kind of like a very strange, expensive signing. But she's shown now it, to me how good she can be. I think there are a little like a, a couple of niggles you can kind of work out of her game. Um, notably, the tempo kind of aspect of attacking. When you get into an attacking position, uh, but before I even get onto that, Tyrion re-described this thing at one point in an interview. It stuck with me my whole life. He said that um, when you're attacking and you're trying to break down a structure, you have to have someone who breaks the puzzle. When you're passing around the back, you're trying to look for a weakness in the puzzle. And you're trying to, you know, when you're shifting from one side to the other, to the other, to the other, you're trying to look for weakness in the puzzle. But some puzzles, there's not, no, there's not many. So you need to have someone who can break the puzzle. Have someone take on a 1v1 in a risky position and drag someone out of position. And then the whole defensive formation changes. She's fantastic at that. The only the the main quip I would have is when she gets into when she breaks the puzzle, she immediately stands or doesn't make an immediate tempo heavy action, and allows the defensive structure uh, structure to kind of redeem itself and kind of come back and fix everything. If the actions are quicker, you know high uh, high tempo, you know the puzzle is broken, and then immediately one pass, receive it again, cross in, then the whole defense is going to be just like scrambled. But a lot of times it feels like the decision-making immediately after making a highly successful and potentially risky dribble isn't immediately there right now. And that'll come with time. That's that's something that young players suffer from everywhere.
2: Yeah, so the good news is it's, I wouldn't say easily coachable, but something that can be coached. Oh, yeah. Of her game. And even better than that is even without that
1: part of her game, she's still a great assess to have. Just having someone to break the puzzle, even if the puzzle is reshaped later in 15 yards back, that's 15 yards.
2: Yeah. I like that phrase. One reads obviously played at the top of the game. Um, Someone (laughs) broke broke the puzzle many times. Uh, The person he was talking
1: to, he was talking about Ashley Cole was the person who broke the puzzle.
2: Hmm. Which is interesting for his left back to be breaking the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Given what we spoke about earlier in the show. Um, that I think is going to wrap us up for tonight. So we have gone on for an hour. Um, <laughs> so the baby is waking up, so I need to get out of here and into in pretty quick. Um, just quickly coming up, obviously, we spoke about a big run of fixtures. Anything you're looking for in particular, or that listeners should look for tactically as a keynote?
1: Tactically, I'm most excited for the games against Real Madrid. I've watched them a ton this season. They're my adopted team this season. I think the matchup, where showed her quality against us last season. I think, and she's been on an incredible run of form where she's really had, kind of been freed from the Gareth Taylor jail. Um, I think that matchup that she'll have against us and our backline, you know, the, the space in between the backline and the midfield, I think it'll be a really interesting watch. Um especially with how we look to counter it. But both games against Real
2: Madrid, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, hopefully we're not asking Lauren James to mark her in the box <laughs> on the cup final, because that went absolutely fantastically for us. Um, yeah, anyway, Ben, fantastic to talk to you. Obviously, always uh, so much knowledge and insightful. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Because... The- your obviously takes us everyone's listened listen to this for an hour now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And should be followed. Um, where can people find you?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Both are EE Medicine. Uh, but yeah, th- thanks so much for having me. Um, the compliments are too kind, but it's always a pleasure being on and being able to talk tactics for an hour when usually I'm just spinning into the void on Twitter.
2: Yes, yeah, so we should have done this sooner, but obviously, um, yeah. <laughs> crazy schedules at that point of yeah. the season where it broke. Um, we'll probably come back. After the PSG game, sort of before Arsenal, talk about what happened in those seven games. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, good wins or just wins will do, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the best place to follow Ben is on our Discord group because um, <laughs> it's less, it's more compact, less people there, less noise. You get a better sense of what's going on. So come in the Discord, talk to me as well. Um, but if you want to actually talk some sense about football, you can talk to them. Um, And there's also lots of other lovely people in there that you can talk to about lots of things, including the NWSL, if you're that way inclined. Uh, It's not for me, but when the baby wakes up at three in the morning, there's lots of American chat going on. I feel like I know some stuff, um, even though I've never watched a fixture. Just through osmosis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though I thought I'd start following... Uh, Gotham, and then they got evil people. <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah. I I won't, won't follow them. Yeah, um, and then I was leaning towards Angel City, and then I think we're going to pair with them as a club. Yeah, that makes me feel a bit sick. Um, <laughs> so. um, I'm, I'm looking for a team, basically. Um, yeah,
1: I, I, um, I just started watching towards the end of the season. I watched a couple games because they were always on at a very convenient hour for me for once in my life. Um. And the team I really looked at was San Diego Wave. I really liked uh, the, the Stony team.
2: Yeah, it seems too obvious, though, doesn't it? Because she's English. They got Carly. Yeah. It seems like the obvious pick, but yeah. because they knew they haven't had um, someone bad there yet, or that we know yeah. of. Someone bad yeah. could be there right now. Yes. Um, a lot of teams finding skeletons in their we, we,
1: we get to look forward to that in the future.
2: Yeah. Ten years' time. Yes. There'll be some... Real good stories coming out of San Diego. <laughs> Some good books. Yeah, I hope they don't sue us. Like we've got nothing to give them, so yeah, yeah they can have Mixler. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next week to look back at the Arsenal, uh, Arsenal, Tottenham fixture. Wrong North London team that we don't like. Um, at Stamford Bridge, which should be a good one. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Mokies Meadow. Um, you can follow me at CFCW Fanzine if you want to. Uh, We're also on Instagram at Wentzamo Kings Meadow. Um, Thank you for listening from Stamford Bridge to Wembley this week. Uh, Keep the blue flag flying high.